Hey, what's going on, crew? This is Brandon Gredler, and you're now listening to Cocktails and Questions. We talk about artificial intelligence, and historically and throughout my life, and especially going forward, I tend to take a benevolent view of this all-encompassing, ever-headline-present AI, as does Ben and James. But for the next 30-odd minutes, we take the opposite side. What happens when AI goes wrong? Can we control it? And if so, what, what would we have to do to control it? Coming off the headlines this week about Boston Dynamics, did some funny stuff with the dog, and some highfalutin research project was published that, that got us all in a tizzy, man. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Rate and review us. Tell us what you think. Where's AI going? Can we control it? Is it too late? Is the other question. Some fun uh, show notes for you guys. Some fun links for you to check out. Curious what you think, but uh, more curious if you guys could rate and <laughs> review and subscribe and tell all your friends and do all that stuff, man. For James and Ben and the entire Cocktails and Questions crew, thank you so much for listening. So here we go. Phones down. Drink up. This is Cocktails and Questions. Beer does taste good. Here we go. We're back. It feels like it's been forever, but it hasn't really. It's just you're back. You're back. We're all together in the same room Mm -hmm. for the first time. You guys Um, complete me. Oh, hey, thanks, man. I'm making a heart-shaped thing with my hands. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) Do you? Yeah, I do. I don't know. It's a pet peeve. Yeah, don't don't ever do that. Especially grown men. How old is James? The saga continues. He's 17 (laughs) years old. He's did a heart-shaped hand gesture. Well, speaking of that. You know what? I actually heard the greatest quote uh, the other day. If Wookiees live to be, I think, was it 400 years old, which I guess is a statistic now, then Han Solo is just one of four dogs that Chewbacca's owned. Right, like I thought it was so. Speaking of age, like he's been processing through sidekick humans, you know, you know for for centuries. Okay, <laughs> I kind of got it. Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. Um, speaking of sagas in the age of James and or Han Solo, we're talking about the saga of human beings, right? Because of AI. And in this news cycle, two things kind of came out that got us going. So a couple episodes ago, we went through our coolest things that we saw. And I don't think I marked it as cool. I think I marked it as creepy, which was uh, the Boston Dynamics dogs mm-hmm. that directly were influenced or influenced by or influenced from Black Mirror. And they showed two dogs, uh, one communicating with each other when they had to open up the door and things like this. It made its rounds. It's pretty good. But what came out was uh, an engineer, somebody at Boston Dynamics, who was trying to impede the progress of said robotic dog. And something happened to me emotionally that I didn't appreciate, right? And for you guys who have seen the video, uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, we'll put the, put it in the show notes. But essentially, this gentleman kind of nudges the dog with a broom handle or a hockey stick, kind of hockey closes stick. the door, and then and then pulls on its um, pulls on its kind of tail, makeshift tail. And it had a I had a, an emotional reaction to it that I, I didn't expect. And it got me thinking about humanity again, much like the Black Mirror episode. And then somewhere around the same time, I believe on the 21st of February, um, this thing hit the newswire, hit the news cycle, and also hit our Slack channels in, in Hallway Conversations, which is an article written by Jane Wakefield in BBC News with, with an awesome title, the second most awesome title of this podcast. Second most awesome title, AI Ripe for Exploitation, Expert Warns. I'm going to click on that. But what happened was it led to a study that had the best title, which is The Malicious Use of Artificial Intelligence, colon, Forecasting, Prevention, and Mitigation. 
done by some pretty smart people. And, and you got you lit up, James. Yeah, when I saw that, like, it's one of those things. You, there's a lot of um, clickbait for intellectuals of like, you know, this the, this sort of thing. But so this is the Future of Humanity Institute, which actually sounds a little fruity until you look and you see that's got uh, tenured professors from Oxford, from Cambridge, from the OpenAI Consortium. There's participants from the Electronic Frontier Foundation and Brandon Gredler and Brandon Gredler. Just Which kid. is kind of rounded out. <laughs> just uh, it's rounded kind of like out. in Gilligan's Island, the skipper and his <laughs> wife. No, but it's 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 a legit crew, and, and they spend a lot of time delving into, you know, we've all talked about what the upside of AI is. What's the downside of AI? And it's really freaking horrifying when you read this report. Actually, um, you know, there are um, scenarios ranging from uh, mass simultaneous exploitations of car hacks all the way to how AI ultimately will transform what were previously low-skilled bad actors into very high-skilled. It's called um, teaming, right? So can AI and humans team together? Um, and it, it really just kind of freaks you out when you look and begs a lot of questions like, is this the future? You know, is this what we're going to be dealing with? Is are we, are we potentially looking at the end of days, as everybody's <laughs> been sort of beating around the bush. And so, you know, I, I, I thought it was worth sharing and, and discussing, if only because, you know, uh, it's, it's got a lot of really impactful questions sewn into it, and I thought it would be worth unpacking. There's a couple of things in that report that jumped out at me, and they, you know, I have talked about a lot about AI, and I think I tend to take the the side of AI being good, right, benevolent AI, and that it's probably at the end of the day going to help humanity accomplish a lot of things that we haven't been able to do so far and so these guys took a slightly different take which is outlining everything that could possibly which go wrong great. which is appreciated yeah, i mean no and and thank you for doing that and they're a lot smarter than i am but i just hadn't had a list in front of me of all the shit that could possibly go wrong. I mean, they talk about swarming attacks. They talk about, you know, the ability to like use voice to actually impersonate people perfectly. Uh, they talk a lot about the idea of sort of fake news and being able to recreate yep. through pixel perfection videos of people doing things that they didn't actually do. Or and then, say. Yeah. You know, and, and then and Thanks, causing Adobe. geopolitical hmm. events or wars or those kinds of things. And then to your point, mass hacking and actually causing major systems to where not one car crashes, but 15,000 cars all crash at the exact same time. So I hadn't really thought about that. And it just made me kind of wonder, like, are we even prepared for a society where all this is possible? Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're talking about all of these things in these sort of like micro instances. Boston Dynamics' dog, which that was a kind of a creepy thing, by the way. Real creepy. And did you see the one where they pushed over the actual I robot? Did. So I for did. those of you, put that in the show notes as well. For those of you who didn't see that, they had this humanoid robot and they had a guy come up from behind and push it over with a hockey stick. I don't know where the guys at Boston Dynamics, they're just all hockey players, but they usually they're Boston. beating the shit out of robots Boston, with, Boston. Yeah, with, with hockey sticks. So they push this thing over, it falls on its face. And I was like, man, that was a total dick move. I can't believe yep. that guy did that. And they got all sorts of backlash around mm -hmm. it. Uh, but you know, it, Oh, we've seen all that stuff. I guess the bigger question is just, are we ready for a world where all of these things are possible? Well, and I think that begs an even deeper question, right? When we think about the rate of change that we're seeing right now, because the yep. worry is not so much like, you know, is AI going to be evil or is it going to be benevolent? I think we ultimately will 
have a lot to do say about that, but only in as much as we can keep up with the pace of change. And so that's my first question when I think about this is, are things changing faster than we're capable of managing or adapting? And I think, you know, when I look, when I look at it, um, I actually tend to err towards yes. You know, yeah. I think about um, the advent of IoT, right? And that's an infinitely complex topic. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to put your money long term and stuff, I would think about sensor development yeah. because sensors are going to become radically advanced over the next 10 to 15 years and they're going to be in everything. I mean, if you think there's a lot of sensors now, you think there's a lot of spatial awareness now, you have not seen anything yet. You know, um, and that's going to be throwing off data at levels of complexity that are unimaginable to the, the current, you know, layman. I mean, data in and of itself right now, we've talked about this before in other discussions and with some of the work we do, data is more complex than we know what to do with right now as it is. And it's about to exponentially become exponentially more complex and also voluminous. So, yeah, my vote is things actually are kind of accelerating past where we can manage them right now. And I think that's really where the slippery slope starts, right? I, I would be interested in you guys' take, though. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue, like you like you said. You can't, you can't tell me that it's not moving faster than ever before, right? Um, it's human nature. It's the nature of technology in and of itself, right? It, it, Moore's Law over and over and over again, right? Even there's a Moore's law to a Moore's law at some point. Um, but you brought up something with Adobe, which I think is really interesting, or you didn't say Adobe, I did. Uh, there's, a, there's a great video, um, or no, I'm sorry, it was a podcast, I think uh, our friends over at Radiolab did it. And it was all about, they, they interviewed the engineer, the, the head engineer that developed the software. So essentially with uh, two hours of recorded voice, you can make somebody say, something like 80% of words in the English dictionary with over 10 hours, it's near a hundred percent make them say anything they've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And they asked, uh, they asked her a question about start essentially starting another war. And you could tell in the hesitation of her voice, she just clearly hadn't thought about it. Yeah. It, and, and now it's too late. Right. In a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about one of my favorite, um, sort of situational, things that happens called the the snake paradox or whatever so you drive out you drive out all the snakes eradicate all the snakes there's too many snakes well, all of a sudden rats come in oh shit now we have rats what did the rats bring disease fuck all i want to do is do the snakes right and that's with a very physical object against another living being and what's happening is we're, we're now talking about machines that learn at a faster rate that we can't fathom like we can't conceive how mm-hmm. fast they're growing um so to answer your question directly Yes, they're happening faster ever than before, which leads to the second question is, are we losing control? I don't think we ever had control for two reasons. One, technology drives us in ways that we don't understand, right? It's the Marshall McLuhan thing. It's the autonomous vehicle thing. They're shaping our lives, um, whether it be job description, education, all this stuff. But the other thing is, I don't think there's the amount of people that fundamentally understand actually what's happening is so few, even the people that weighed in on this thing. Right. So how can we possibly as uh, as a population have control of something we don't understand? I think that is the that is the most salient point of this whole conversation is that we've lost control because most people don't actually care yep. because they don't care to understand. And if you don't care to it's understand, then even if you spent your entire life trying to figure it out, you probably will get it wrong because there's so many potential ways that this thing could go. 
And the difference is in the past, you know, people can be lazy and not think about it. And there's going to be people who have and people who don't. And there's going to be a disparity between income and between opportunity and all those things. But the consistent thing is that there have been people and that people have been part of that equation. And IQ can only span so far. It's, the it's difference actually progressing is, too. And the, side the, note, the, the difference though is that now we have machines that for the first time can teach themselves and get better. And we never had a Model T that built a better Model T the next day, right? <laughs> oh, we never had an internet that just built another internet. But if you talk, if you look like Life 3.0, that book, they talk about this AI that creates, it's created, and then it breaks out. And the next day, it creates itself again. And then in the next two hours, it creates itself again. And by 18 hours into it, it's created version 6.0. And it knows it knows everything, and that that is the difference, and that is the most scary part, and where I think that we have not lost control yet, but we will. And then the, the I guess the bigger question becomes, does it even matter? Because is anybody going to say stop, or is anybody going to? It, it's all sort of come out. I don't know that anybody's going to say, well, you know what, all this opportunity that AI, AI brings, I'm just going to put it back in a box because. I'm worried about what could happen. Kind of backtracking to, to the control idea. I think the elements are there, though. I mean, if you think about it, like, look at Isaac Asimov, right? This yep. guy like, had no clue what today was going to be like, but he wrote the three laws of robotics. And, and it, there was an attempt to do a thought experiment on how you might possibly contain the notion of losing control of your creation. Like, there's a very human story in, in the midst of all this. And um, if you ever read that book, In Our Own Image, by George Zakadarkis, which is just a phenomenal read, and I would argue is on par with Light 3.0, but just from a different angle. It's very anthropological and sort of like man's quest to be God in his own way and create his own version of man is is largely what's behind a lot of this. And you see it... Um, are you guys familiar with Rethink Robotics and their mm -hmm. Sawyer and Baxter robots? And so uh, the story on that was so great because originally um, the people in the automotive plants where the robots were working were having a hard time wanting to adopt it. So they went and put human-like facial features on. Like they would blink and look at you. Googly and, eyes. Don't, yeah. don't overplay yeah, it. No, no, it's, digital it's, it's cool. <laughs> and, and people started accepting it more because yeah. there's a real human-machine interface component there. Um, that's not the creepiest part of the story. Now, all you have to do is train one Baxter robot, and then you can go and plug them all in together, and he will train all of the other ones with perfection. You just train it once to do what yeah. it wants to do. It'll train the rest of them. That's some pretty bone-chilling stuff. You think about what the implications are, um, what it takes mankind to spin up an army, right? You have to go, like, recruit them. You have to go train them. It's more than that. You wash them Convince out. Convince them that right. they have a It's a cultural, purpose. societal... And, 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 and like, the, 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 the real far-reaching thought is, like, well, if robots do turn against us, they can train each other pretty fucking quick, right? Yeah. You know? So that, that's what I was going to say. It's like, we should probably articulate what we're so afraid of, Right. Do you think that that's it, right? So there's there's the doomsday scenario, which is popularized all over the place, right? And so there's the rise of the robots, and they they somehow, um, you know, enforcing or breaking Asimov's rule, they kill us in servitude of their own benefit, right? Mm -hmm. That that's what everyone's kind of talking about. But there's something in between there, which you also reference, which is, what do I do when this robot takes my job, right? So when we say, are we afraid of it? What are we talking about? What do, what do we mean? Are we afraid of our own inferiority, 
right? Our own inequity. Like, are we afraid of displacement? Well, I mean, of course we are, right? It's how we got here, right? It's how through, through evolution, like, self-importance and things like this and thinking that we're great and somebody comes along and is like mm, not that great not so much <laughs> yeah so there's a fear there but i think I, th- I think that the the long gap to ultimate destruction by robots right that's really what we're talking about yeah i don't know if i'm as worried about that long term i mean there have always been new weapons and there's always been some sort of leg up and the world tends to, at some point, get back to equilibrium. And I bet there's a lot of people in the world who would disagree with that statement. But yeah, just send your letters to James Lanyon at <laughs> gmail.com. But, but the, 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 problem, the problem becomes that now, you brought this up earlier, that there, are, there could be a number of bad actors who mm-hmm. are solo, or maybe it's three or four, and all of a sudden they have these tools. We've always worried about a terrorist getting a suitcase bomb or a dirty bomb and what that can do. Well, this exponentially, you know, just the impact could be that much larger. So I think that there's there's that part of it. I think the the other part of it is less about like doomsday and destruction, but more what could happen from a manipulation standpoint? So the what I was reading an article about that one of the problems could be maybe marketers or some sort of nefarious being who decides that they're going to create a robot who can go through and learn everything that it needs to know about you by listening to your amazing podcast, which you should <laughs> rate five stars Subscribe on iTunes. I'm uh, purposely uh, throwing yeah. them off my age yeah. trail, <laughs> or you know, but go back and look at everything that you've done on social. And all your search history and all those things yep. and understand who you are and communicate to you in a way that it knows what you want better than you do and start to manipulate you to do things, whether it's, you know, part with your money or, yep. or part with your spouse or do, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy. And to me, I think that's the area that's a little bit less doomsday, but that people aren't thinking about that could be this sort of like underpinning that could start a whole domino effect. Yeah. Well, and you brought up a really good question earlier, which is like, why did, does it, does it even matter? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, are we just resigned to it? You know, like, it uh, like and, or, or are we overplaying it? And I would argue it, it matters a lot. Um, what matters? Just specifically. Uh, like our ability to stay out ahead of this, or at least understand how to moderate it um, for, for very good reasons, because, you know, usually visions of the future, whether they be positive or negative, tend to be homogenous in nature, like one world suffering or like rejoicing in unison, when in fact that's never been the case and it never will be the case. And you kind of project out that more um, heterogeneous future and you think about more benevolent Western democracies who may be employing it, you know, malevolently, but at least they're being nice and trying to dupe you into thinking they're not. Um, it could very well be like, you know, uh, more Scandinavian type governments that have, you know, come out against it and, you know, uh, protect their citizens versus like, what would Iran do with an AI? What would Syria do with an AI? Uh, what would North Korea do with an AI? You know, in uh, or just take AI off the table, any of these more far-flung tech technologies and their ability to repress uh, and, and subjugate their, their citizenry becomes significantly greater and more horrifying, right? Right now, they're just using uneducated conscripts with low-grade weaponry and, like, license to ill, you know, through violence, 
you know, imagine what they, if they had some real firepower, what that would be like. And that, that's why I think it matters. I think it's really important from an ethical and geopolitical standpoint. I I think it matters. I took the question differently, which was, does it, does it matter? The, the demise of humans, but I think what you're talking about is does our, does our rate of control matter? And I, I think the answer is yes, it, which for every reason that you just said, absolutely right. And, and I think you know, I think you said, can we put it back in the box? Absolutely not. This is like the prohibition of intelligence. Mm-hmm. We know how great it is to get fucked up on booze. You can't take my booze away now, yep. right? Like we know how great AI, AI is. Don't take it away from me. Same thing with the internet and all that shit. Um, where I was going with that was, do we think that it can ultimately, is it unavoidable, I guess is where I'm, where I'm going with that, right? So we're talking about all this doomsday stuff. Because if we believe it's avoidable, what needs to go in place, right? Like, how do we control this stuff? Like, to James' point, yes, we need to control it. Yes, it matters. Yeah. Now what? Now what? And I'm talking, we've got... You've heard me talk about uh, ethics as a service before, right? We're yes. talking about autonomous vehicles all the way to dudes with funny haircuts in North Korea. Like, how do you control it? Do we even know? Man, I think, I think it comes down to the, the, the only way AI goes wrong is if the goals of AI are misaligned with the goals of humanity, right? And, and if that happens then we have a problem. Who decides the goals of humanity? That's the problem. The cards. Right? And, and it's, yeah. <laughs> the cards against the cards. Yes, cards against. We could actually and, but, come up but, with that. But, but that, that is the problem. That is the, the only way to keep AI from becoming a militarized weapon, uh, you know, or mass destruction is by giving it the right goals. Because AI will only try to accomplish its goals. At some point, it may set its own goals. But for the most part, if we keep it that way, it won't. The problem becomes that when everyone has access to AI, you can't really determine what people's goals are or keep them from setting malicious goals. I mean, look at school shootings and you can talk about gun control in a number of different ways, but I mean, those folks got their hands on these weapons and they decided to do something different. Now they may have access to a whole new set of weapons. So I think that there's there's a couple of ways that it works. I mean, one is that you start to try to put it back in a box and like some Scandinavian companies countries and like some governments and you know the uh open ai project and a lot of the folks uh the guy who wrote life 3.0 they're trying to put rules in place that allow ai to only be developed to a certain point and say that you can't do these things but at this then you have somebody like facebook amazon google AlphaGo, all those folks developing these technologies that are for good that they put into the market and everybody loves them, mm-hmm. and it's really easy for a set of hackers or a government to just grab that, change a couple of lines of code, and all of a sudden the exact same technology is used for something totally different. And that's the part to me that reappropriation. I yeah, I don't know how you do anything about that. I, I well, and it, so that's a probably the most legit point, right? This whole idea of like, what can you do versus what will you do? And I think part of it has to do with just you know cultural regulation. Like, we're talking about things that society's not even remotely close to prepared to, to, to deal with right now, and it's having to. Um, one of my favorite moments was when I was talking about um, IBM Watson on Jeopardy, and Brandon was like, I, I, I'm not impressed. He's I'm like, not I'm, impressed. I'm not. He's not. But I was like, but it, 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 got, it got Alex Trebek's sort of like, you know, inside nah. baseball. He's like, not impressed. And the truth is, is like, you're right. Like, AI right now, and Max Tegmark, right? Yep. With, he's like, 
Yeah, it's about multiplicity of tasks. Like mm -hmm. you, you get one that can actually go and compute pi to nine million digits, and you ask it to go make a piece of toast, and it collapses in on itself. Mm -hmm. So is it all that brilliant? Well, it's great at that one task, but it will get better. And I think part of the the cheat or the hack is going to be conditioning us as a culture to respect the potential of it, just like we have with nuclear weapons, right? Yeah. This whole idea of like, you know, uh, mutually assured destruction, you know, keeping everything in the stasis. And I think that's probably what we'll end up seeing. Yeah. And I think the, what was this saying? Um, there's uh, people's inability, people, people's overestimation of their ability and, and inability to predict the future. Right. And so what you're talking about, so two progressions that I'm thinking through of like how this thing comes into place in another following. Fuck, this is a great podcast, man. <laughs> like, um, so right now, so there's kind of three phases of AI. There's largely referred to as narrow, general, and then what we're talking about is referred to as super. Mm -hmm. Right. So narrow intelligence is what James is talking about. Like, can I go and generally understand every picture in every world series and they're blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Cause you gave me one job and I'm really good at it. Mm -hmm. But then if you ask me to do toast, I fall over. General, generally I we're seeing right now, like in the assistance, right? Mm -hmm. They can kind of do some, some things like that, but we're talking about super intelligence and back to my point. I don't think people understand, including the people in this room, what we're talking about, right? It, it's like people's inability to understand understand exponential growth. They can't understand what robots building robots actually means, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then the other thing too is when you watch the progression of you know, how AI is gonna impact us. So uh, this, the, the complementary AI is already here. Your point about Google, people enjoy it all the time. Uh, we got Siri, she sucks. We got <laughs> Alexa. God does she. Uh, we got all this stuff, right? But then there's augmentation will start to happen. We're already seeing that. Um, in law offices and doctor's offices mm -hmm. all over the place. But then what happens is uh, displacement and replacement. Mm. That's the fast follow. But then what happens right after that is we have to decide, like it, uh, assuming that we're going to handle the, the code, we have to, we have to understand what we're going to do with the humans, right? So if all of these people are ultimately um, displaced and replaced, what do we do with them? Mm -hmm. How do we care for them? How do we feed them? what's happening we're gonna to have to do a user universal basic income yes. podcast and so that that's where i go so i don't go to the militaristic thing because of we've seen this exercise god i'm just gonna knock on wood before i say this with the nuclear mutually assured destruction yeah. like um we we've seen sort of how that happens so i believe self-preservation is the highest order yeah my whole thing is about like the oil, 55 gallon oil drums, like burning on the sides of the streets with people warming their hands that you see in post-apocalyptic movies. Mm -hmm. What do we do with those people? That's a large workforce, man. Yeah. Uh, well, terrifying. if Ready that Player One is, one is any clue, we put them in crates and stack them on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> one, on, one on Winnebago's on top of Winnebago's. Exactly right. well, I don't think we answered any questions in this podcast. But maybe we no. provoke some thought. Maybe. I, maybe, or maybe you should have just skipped it. Right. No. no. <laughs> I think we, I think it was a great I think it was a great conversation. I think that there's there's more to be had there. I think that overall the challenge of understanding AI and determining where it should go is probably a little bit above our brain power. And the most important part of it is starting to think about it. And at least asking these questions and for people to become a bit more aware about how they're using AI today, the more you understand it, the more likely you are to understand where it might go. I agree. I agree. It was a bit of a downer. 
Um, so if we can bring us up, you guys have some coolest things this week before oh, we get out of here. You guys want to go or you want me to go? Um, I'll I'll go. You, I think you should go. Yeah. Uh, my coolest thing this week was uh, <laughs> I had a daughter. Yes. Yeah. Your wife I, had a daughter. My wife Let's, had a daughter. Go. Yeah. No, we have to say you. we had a baby. <laughs> you were there. We are pregnant. <laughs> uh, which I never said that, by the way. Just just Good. because I wasn't. But. <laughs> Yeah, because of little uh, biology. Olivia Davis, uh, and she's fantastic and healthy, and mom and daughter are doing well. And I got a little bit of sleep last night, and oh she's beautiful. So that was a lot of fun. So Congratulations, a, man! That was the coolest thing. I saw a lot better than that dude beating that dog with a hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. James, how about you, Brandon? Oh, um, I saw a nerdy cool thing that I posted uh, about our friends over at AT&T opening up a five G lab right cool. here in our hometown. So when we think about, um, we think we often think about the expressions of technology, but we don't think about the backend technology that's going to power that thing. Um, and I know the three of us have been in rooms a lot, and we talk about five G. And I think I think it's this underrated accelerant to experiences. Um, it'd be huge. It'd be huge, but I don't think people think about it. Like they get distracted with bullshit like AI in blockchain. Dude, five G is going to be transformational. Five G is a mega, and the It'll fact that our friends possible. to put That's that right. into context, yeah. the the Verizon analogy was: imagine downloading the entire six season library of Game of Thrones in high def in under a minute. Yeah, that's with the potential of five G. Well, but I was disappointed to hear it's not coming to Austin though. It is they're at, no, they're they're rolling out a lab, but they're doing it oh. in Dallas, Atlanta, and Waco. What well, is like the fixer uppers and yeah, need five G to get to go wire all those new understand. houses? Austin Austin didn't need the tourism dollars because Amazon's coming. Everybody <laughs> oh. knows it. HQ two is going to no, be Dallas here. Dallas is great. Not a chance. He put it's his going to, he put his Atlanta. clock in Texas. That's he's that's, coming here, man. I'm. I'm putting my money oh, on Austin, please. Texas. What do you got, James? You got anything good? So I saw two things that probably not nearly as as, as profound as, as bringing a, a new life in this world or 5G. But from a personal <laughs> standpoint, you said what's the coolest thing. First of all, uh, Texas Tech lost to Oklahoma State this week in basketball, putting the Kansas Jayhawks <laughs> once again in lead, potentially for that 14th consecutive uh, Big 12 basketball title. So that would be fucking amazing because nobody's ever done that. They're tied with UCLA right now for all time at 13 in a row. Um, Are they good at football? Okay. Occasionally. In 2008, <laughs> little trivia fact, what's the only school to go to the Final Four, win a bowl game, and the College World Series in the same year? Kansas. Oh, that's right. Kansas North Jayhawks. Carolina. Oh, Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> the other one was LSU, but they lost their bowl game. So anyhow, um, the second thing was... I actually started listening to Our Mathematical Universe by Max Tegmark, the author of Light 3.0, and it's not nearly as enthralling. It's actually very <laughs> dense. And so when I looked down at my uh, console in my car and saw it was at seven and a half hours, which is the halfway mark, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get through this. And I might be a little smarter for it. That was pretty cool. So. Worth worth reading or not? Uh, worth listening to if you got, like, if you're going to drive from you like 15 hours. 15 hours and you can focus, yeah, yeah you'll be enlightened. But um, wow. it's it's a tough one. But when I saw it, I'm like, I'm going to make it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. All right. Well, I got some book recommendations, too. We should probably do that podcast separately. We should do along, with, along with the movies, along with all, all the other um, ancillary podcasts we're going to spin up out of this uh, Garden Grove in Austin, Texas. Uh, for James Laney and Ben Gaddis, the entire Cocktails and Questions crew, thank you for listening, man. Tell your friends, rate, subscribe, do all the shit that we ask you to do. Um, because we love you. And that's we pretty do. simple. We do. All right, man. Uh, for everybody, this is Brandon. I'm Gravity. making a heart gesture with yeah. my hands right now. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm looking through it at the microphone. 
only only middle-aged people who are confused would do that. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Be good. Take care.